You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit VOTR.church. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to uh, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay, I'm going to make three points this morning in this really important passage that's, that's pretty familiar. Uh, but, but the first point is, is simply this. It's the promise. And the promise is this. The promise is that that you will is, is that you can and you will stand firm. See, this is the deal. The Lord knows the battle that you're fighting. He knows your battle. He knows you can and you will uh, stand firm in the battle. So, so God is kind of functioning like a coach in this. This is kind of an attaboy kind of message. He's, he's summing it all up. And, and he's functioning as a coach, and he's saying, I know your battle, and you, you can and you will stand firm, no matter what, in your battle. And that's, and that's a promise. So he's functioning kind of like a coach in this, in this text, which reminds me of, of a, a well-known coach in this community. Um, his name is uh, Hal Kennard. Hal Kennard uh, was, uh, is a famous educator in, in Colorado, and there's a school named after him, Kennard Middle School, in the south part of Fort Collins. Some of your kids go to, to Kennard Middle School. Um, Coach Kennard was so massively um, impacting of generations of kids in our community that they built a, a, a new school and named it after him. That's... that's that's pretty successful, I'd say. Uh, so um, what, we, what you might not know is that uh, Coach Kennard is a part of our fellowship. He's, he's a member here. Hal and Sandy have, have gone here, come here you know, faithfully every Sunday. Through COVID, they're staying at home. But Hal, I just want to say we love you. You're part of us. Uh, Sandy, you're, we're part of you, and, and we miss you, and we want you back. So we're going to give you a, a, a hand. Um, and let me tell you a little bit about Hal, and I'm kind of laughing inside because I know he's squirming in his chair at home, 
And he hates this. And he's going to kill me next time he sees me. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about Hal Kennard. Back in the day, Poudre School District was really lucky to snag Hal Kennard. Uh, he, came, he was a, a CSU Hall of Famer. There's a picture of Hal um, uh, receiving his Hall of Fame um, medal in the 1990s. Um, and they were able to hire him as a, as a coach and as a teacher. Um, and he went on to be a, a, a principal. But this, is, but, but this is the thing about Hal. His sweet spot were middle school students. That's what he, he, he taught middle schoolers, junior high then, they, they switched in the 2000s to the middle school system, but he taught middle school students for 40 years. And, and um, um, the thing about middle schoolers is this. You know what? I don't, even need to, I don't even need to tell you what the thing is about me. Because every one of you has been in middle school. You, think back to your middle school years. If, in fact, you haven't eternally blocked out all memory of middle school, uh, think back to your middle school years. Remember the acne? Remember how it just hung on? Didn't matter what kind of soap you used, all the weird smelling soaps you used, it just hung on. Remember that? <laughs> and do you remember the awkwardness? The, the, that kind of that's kind of hung on too, at least for me. <laughs> but the but the social the social tension, you know, the boys and the and the girls, and is my hair right and my clothes and the whole thing. It was just a battle, wasn't it? <laughs> Middle school, it was just a battle, and it was into that battle that God sent Hal Kennard, and he and and he was in that battle with those kids for forty years, and he had a he had a saying, he had a. A, a, a motto, really, uh, that he would tell these middle schoolers, these, these timid, um, um, shy, uh, insecure middle schoolers, you can and you will. Hal's promise functioned almost like, a, uh, almost like permission that, you know what, you can do it too. You can be an overcomer. The last thing a middle schooler feels is that they're an overcomer, right? That is not what they're feeling. Uh, but, but, but he would always say, you can and you will. And you kind of have to know how to understand how that was heard. Because he had authority. I mean, you know, coaches are, they're the guy at the school. And Hal was kind of the guy. And he had an authority. But when you talk with Hal, the thing that comes across is his kindness. Almost a, almost a gentleness and a, and a humility. That's, that's really what um, comes across. And, and the thing is, is uh, that the kids loved him. They really loved him. And I know this because I bumped into a retired assistant superintendent for Poudre School District one time. I said, hey, you know what? I know Hal Kennard. He's a friend of mine. And, and he just laughed. And he said, oh, man. He said, those kids, they would run through a brick wall for Coach Kennard, you know. <laughs> and I thought about that. Why does a kid run through a brick wall for Coach It's not just because they fear him. It's because they love him. And, and he loved those kids. And those kids loved him. And they'd run through a brick wall uh, for those kids. So it was never an ultimatum, uh, ultimatum or a threat when he said, you know, you can and you will. Um, it, was, it was, you can be an overcomer. 
I want, I want to push the pause button on the sermon for just a second. And, and, I, and, I, want to, and I want to ask you um, if you can kind of, in your heart of hearts, kind of get in touch with, with some of those uh, feelings of, of insecurity and, 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 and maybe fear, especially coming out of COVID. You know, I think, I, th- I, I want to suggest that in our heart of hearts, we're still kind of like those middle schoolers. And, 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 and sometimes we kind of live there. <clears throat> and it's still a battle. It, life is still a battle. And it's into that battle that Jesus has come to help fight that battle. And, 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 uh, um, and he's saying, kind of like a coach, no matter what the battle is, and I know your battle, you can and you will stand firm. Kind of like a coach. You, you've got this one, Mike. You've got this one, Sherry. You know, you, 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 you've got this one, Doc. You've got this one. And that brings us to the second, uh, the second point. Um, but I just want to say that we need to hear how Jesus is saying that to us. He's not saying, get your act together. You can and you will. He's saying, I'm humble in heart. Come unto me. All you who are weary of the battle, and I will give you rest. That's how he's saying. And then he's giving us permission and saying, you can and you will stand firm in this battle. That's how he's saying it to us. That's his heart. Uh, The second thing that I want to say and and that it, that this scripture is is saying to us is is the promise you are in a battle that's our reality that's our reality verse 11 put on all of god's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. So the whole world knows this. The whole, the, the whole world knows this. Plato said, be kind for everybody's fighting a hard battle or a fierce battle. The world knows this. The Bible says this, that we're in a battle. In fact, the Bible says that, that we're in a cosmic battle and we're fighting the devil. Now, it's the 21st century, and, and, and many people don't believe in the devil. Uh, there are many churches in Fort Collins that don't believe in the devil. But this is the thing. Jesus believed in the devil. Jesus totally believed in the devil. And in so doing, he identified the true enemy. That's one of the things that Jesus did. See, for Jesus, the sinner was never the enemy. He loved the sinner. The, in fact, Rome was not the enemy. Rome who crucified Jesus, Rome was not the enemy. The, the religious authorities were not the 
the, the enemy. They were in bed with Rome. They helped crucify Jesus. They were not the enemy. The devil was the enemy. And, and John Wimber had a great, great uh, saying. He said, remember, um, your brother is never the enemy. Your brother's your brother. Your sister is not the enemy. Your sister's the sister. It is your sister. The enemy is the enemy. Isn't that good? Satan's our enemy. The Democrats are not our enemies. The Republicans are not our enemies. You know, Joe Biden isn't our enemy. Donald Trump isn't our enemy. The devil's our enemy. That's the source. So Jesus identifies who the true enemy is. The true enemy is. And when we're talking about the devil, when we're thinking about the devil, we make two errors. We make two errors. The first is that we overemphasize his power and, and his influence. And the second error that we make when we're talking about the devil, thinking about the devil, is that we underestimate his power and his uh, uh, authority. So, so isn't this the way it is? It's either... All the devil, like every bad thing that happens to you, every bad thought, it's the devil. Or we don't believe him in his existence at all. Like I didn't before I came to Christ. He's formidable, yes. We fight against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He's formidable, but don't overestimate him. It's not... Satan versus God in some cosmic, you know, Star Wars-like battle to the death. It's not even Satan versus Jesus. It's Satan versus Michael, the angel. Remember, Satan is a created being who rebelled and is continuing to rebel. That's all. So, so don't go to the extremes. You know, everything's, it's all the devil, or, or you don't believe in his existence at all. Go right down the middle, radical middle, when you're thinking about, um, you know, Satan and who, and who, who, who he is. But you know what? <clears throat> That's not really the question that, that, that we need to be asking in the real world, in our real reality. This is the big question that we need to be thinking about when, when we when we think about uh, the devil, and that is, do you know the strategies that Satan uses on you? Have you ever thought of that? That he, that he has specific strategies for you? He, he knows who you are, and he knows how to, how to, how to, how to tempt you and accuse you. <clears throat> I want to share two titles that, are, have, are, that I'm reading that are really helpful in identifying that because, because you know, you might, you, you might want to look at them. The first one is The Road Back to You. It was written about, fi- about five years ago, and it identifies your personality type and then kind of identifies your, your weaknesses and your strengths. So for me, my personality type is, my weakness is uh, that I want to avoid pain at all costs. <laughs> it's very adolescent of me, as a matter of fact, but... Uh, but that's my weakness, and that's just the way it is, I guess. <clears throat> my strength is, is that I enjoy the goodness of God's creation. I, I, I enjoy good food, which is self-evident. Uh, and I also enjoy my, my, uh, my, my marriage. I enjoy my kids. I enjoy the goodness of God's creation. Um, but, uh, but the second book is more specific, and, and, and I want to just recommend this to you. Precious Remedies Against 
Satan's Devices, written by Thomas Brooks. It was published in 1652. Uh, And um, you can can download it as a PDF. You can get it on your Kindle for free, or you can go to Amazon and, and buy it. But I would suggest it to you. Um, so, so just this is just so on target for me personally, and, and I bet it is for you as well. Check this out. Brooke says, belonging or yearning, belonging after a full and clear and, and constant enjoyment of Christ. For until then, Satan will still have plots and designs against you, Bristow, <laughs> or, 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 or Mary, or, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I would suggest you get this book, and, and it, it has all kinds of um, ways of identifying the strategies that Jesus has on you. Uh, we're in a battle. And now the big question is, is, is point three, point three, how to battle and stand firm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, um, read four verses, and there's a lot in them. And so, so you might just say, Lord, what do you want me to take away? There's, this is a lot of content. What do you want me to know? What do you want me today to, to, to take away? So here's verse 14. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. So as, a, as a, maybe a Roman soldier might put on his armor to cover him from, in war, or maybe, um, maybe a first century uh, Jew might, might put on his coat to cover him from the chill of winter. This scripture tells us to put on the righteousness of God to cover us from the chill of our own unrighteousness. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? He doesn't say, change your behaviors. Isn't that what we expect? Like, oh man, I got to get my act together. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, you know, go down to Barnes and Noble and get the new book on uh, behavior modification. He, he doesn't say, he says, Put on my righteousness and cover yourself. Isn't that amazing? That's the, that's, that's the Christian faith. That's not psychology. That's the Christian faith. We put on his righteous, righteousness to cover our unrighteousness. So what does that look like? Well, we, we, we all battle um, with feelings of uh, unworthiness or, or maybe worse, worthlessness. We, we put on the worth of his righteousness that covers us from our own feelings of, of unworthiness or, or shame. We all, we all experience shame. We put on the glory of his righteousness to cover us from our, our shame. Or maybe you're feeling um, kind of insignificant or small. We put on the largeness of his righteousness to cover us. We put on, uh, we're, 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 we're feeling from, uh, feelings of, uh, of, of brokenness. We put on the wholeness of his righteousness. We're feeling um, 
like, I don't have what it takes. Sort of our not enoughness. We put on the completeness of his righteousness to cover our not enoughness. When we feel empty, we put on the fullness of his righteousness that covers us from our, uh, our emptiness. Um, I'm getting hot. <laughs> you know what? I've been doing this a long time now. I've got gray in my beard. I've been doing this ministry stuff for, for 40 years now. And I still am attacked by all of those things I just mentioned. Emptiness and shame and, and unworthiness. Um, and, uh, and one of the ways that, I, just a, a real practical suggestion, it's not something that I do, uh, to, 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 to know what his righteousness is. Right? Righteousness just means straightness. God's straightness, as opposed to us, we're crooked. We're crooked timber. We're crooked timber, and he's straight timber. We're a crooked two-by-four, he's a straight two-by-four. Is, is to get, to, just to get it straight, is, uh, I read through the Bible every year. I've, I've done that for decades. And I literally, I literally walk it out. In the morning, I, in my right hand, I've got my leash, and at the end of my leash is my golden retriever, Dexter. And in my left hand is my phone. I've got the Bible app. Every one of you can download, go to the app store, download the Bible app. And I listen to the, the Bible reading plan every morning. I, I, I kind of walk it out. That's one way that, that, that I put on the righteousness of God. That's gotten me through decades of trying to follow him. And, and, and uh, I just want to suggest that that to you. And that's, the, that's a way we can walk it out, which brings us to the next verse. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. We are preparing ourselves for him. We're preparing our hearts for him. That word peace is a word you all know. It's shalom. And it means all of his wholeness and completeness and fullness. That's what, it wor- that's what the word is. So we put on the shoes of his wholeness and completeness and fullness. And we walk out our, our, uh, our Christian lives. And, and, and in so doing, we're preparing our hearts for him. One step at a time. Verse 16, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. So fiery arrows are just simply the temptations and accusations that the devil uses that resonate in us. He's not going to use something that doesn't resonate in you. He's going to use an accusation that resonates in you. Um, <clears throat> and we just need to stop listening to his lies. That's it. And, and we know that. We know that we need to stop listening to his lies. You know, we can identify those pretty quickly. But, you know, a, a practical uh, piece of advice, I think, and, and I'm kind of preaching the choir here, but it's keep coming to church. 
You know why? Because church is friends. That's what church is. We're friends. It's friends hanging out together in the light. I, I, that's, that's one of my favorite inventions. I call it an invention of God. I love the church because I love hanging out with friends who are hanging out uh, in the light. You know, going to a bar, that doesn't work. You're not hanging. You might be with friends, but you're not hanging out in the light, right? Church, you're hanging out in the light. And, and we get so familiar, we, we forget. We forget what it's like not to have that. And sometimes we just f- f- forget to come to church. But that's, that's, that's a crazy thing to do. So Alpha ended this, this week, this last week. Alpha is a course for people who don't know Jesus yet. And we did Alpha this, this year um, in Old Town at a restaurant. And, and we finished this Monday. Um, a lady who, who who's, doesn't know Christ at all, I mean, just nothing, came up to Jamie, my wife, who was one of the tables, and she says, why does this have to end? I mean, she was, she was, she was kind of sad and kind of angry, like, this is wrong. <laughs> the Alpha should not end. Why? You need to tell me why this is ending. Another guy, he came up to me last Monday. He's, a, he's, a, he's an anthropologist by trade. That's his, that's his job. He's an anthropologist. And, uh, and he says, I, he, I'm a committed atheist. And he came up to me and he said, I don't know what I'm going to do now on Monday nights. And then he, he, got, he got soft kind of. And, and, and he said, I'm really seeking. I don't know what I'm going to do Monday nights. And the thing is, it made me stop and think, you know, these guys love gathering with friends, hearing the message of Jesus, and having real connection. And that's what we have every week. So why wouldn't we do that? That's a great way to stop the arrows, those fire arrows that are coming at us. Come into the light. Get into the light, man. That's, that's what it's for. Another great way is, is go back and get prayer. We have, we have great prayers, and, and, and we need to have stuff prayed off of us, don't we? Our shame, our fears, our depression, every week. I, I'm the, actually the pastor in charge of that, and Greg Hassler runs that. But that is a great way to also to stop the fiery arrows of, of, uh, of the enemy. Last verse, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, now sometimes we don't feel saved, which is very weird to me, you know? For those of us who have accepted Christ, for whom the Spirit lives in us, we who have surrendered our lives for his life, to, some, to, to not feel safe, is that, that's sort of a weird thing. But you know what? The devil's going to throw everything he can at you, and he does. He throws everything he can at you. And, and when you're feeling that way, like, I don't even know. Man, I had such a bad week. I sinned so much. I don't even know if I'm still saved. You know what we need to do? First of all, identify it as the devil. That's who's whispering in your ear. Secondly, redirect. Redirect the devil. Devil, I want you to look at my account in Christ. Look at it. It's full. I'm filthy rich in Christ. 
I'm mind-numbingly rich in Christ. Not today, devil. Not today. God himself, through his son, was wounded for my transgressions. He paid for it all. I'm rich. God himself was bruised for my iniquities. He paid for it all. I'm filthy rich in him. Look at my account, devil. By his stripes, I am healed of my depression, of my loneliness, of my fear, of my shame. And that same word in that Isaiah verse means saved as well. By his stripes, I am saved. Done. End of conversation. As I think about all of the promises from this series, all of the promises that we've studied in Ephesians, um, <clears throat> I just feel like we need to do something. We need to stop something, actually. We need to stop something. We need to stop refusing our worth in him. We need to stop refusing our glory in him. We need to stop refusing our largeness in him. We need to stand up straight, take a deep breath, and go after it. Because it's all true. All of his promises are true. We need to stop refusing our wholeness in him. We need to stop refusing our completeness in him. We need to stop refusing our, our fullness in him. Because it's then that we can announce, that we can proclaim, that we can declare I can, and I will stand firm, no matter what the battle is. Let's pray.